KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. Radio Silence's trio of Chad, Matt, and Tyler make scary movies, but you might be surprised by what scared them as kids. The first film that scared me, this is Tyler, was Empire Strikes Back. I, as a kid, thought that was a horror movie. I remember vividly watching Luke get his hand cut off and, and then hanging from by his knees from the bottom of the Cloud City and thinking, well, this is the absolute scariest thing that you could possibly, possibly see. Uh, thanks, Mom and Dad. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, my, that was the first movie I saw in theaters was Empire, and my parents said that I was terrified of Darth Vader. But I think for me it was Dream Warriors because I saw it when I was in fifth grade, and it just it just messed me up. It was like, because I didn't know what I was watching, and I had no context. I had never seen the original, so it was just like, hey, welcome to this insane world. And it, I mean, it still scares me. Right. And for me, it's like I saw E.T., too young, and I was terrified and had nightmares of E.T. for years. I, like, just so far, to the back, I didn't even rewatch it again until like 2013, I think. I could just stayed away from it because he's scared. When he's saddest movie. It's so it. sad. When he gets sick, it's just like it's heartbreaking and terrifying and all the bad guys are coming in. and so, Yeah, that, that, one, that one scarred me for a little bit. I watched it again, though, and it's not that bad. Well, good for you. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Cinema Junkie Podcast. I'm Beth Accomando. Radio Silence has a new horror film called Ready or Not, and it opens in theaters on August 21st. But I got to speak with these filmmakers and pranksters last month about their new film and their path to Hollywood. Here's a little of the trailer for Ready or Not, in which a young bride discovers some of the family traditions she's about to marry into. I can't believe that in half an hour, I will be a part of the Ladomus Gaming Dynasty Empire. Uh, Dominion, we prefer Dominion. I honestly can't wait to be a part of your family. There's just one more thing, and then you are officially part of the family. So, at midnight, you have to play a game. Why? It's just something we do when someone new joins the family. A game. What game? Hide and seek? Are we really going to play that? Well, the rules are simple. You can hide anywhere. We then try to find you. So there's no way for me to win, right? I mean, stay hidden till dawn. <laughs> no, thank you. Good luck. Speaking to Chad Valella, Matt Bettinelli-Olpin, and Tyler Gillette by phone felt a little like herding cats. When three longtime friends work together, they tend to talk on top of each other and complete each other's sentences in ways that can be hard to follow without the benefit of seeing them in front of you. But since they present themselves as one entity, maybe it doesn't matter who's talking. What does matter is this talented trio has a singular vision about how to make a movie, and they've managed to bring their unique sensibilities to the screen without having to compromise. I asked the Radio Silence guys to identify themselves when they spoke, and they mostly do. But even when you're not sure who's talking, I think you'll be as entertained as I was by the energy, passion, and craft these young filmmakers bring to the table. I'm going to take a short break, and then I'll be back with the rowdy trio of Radio Silence. 
KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. First of all, the name Radio Silence is interesting for a group of people that have decided to work in movies. So explain a little bit about what Radio Silence is and and kind of um, what the genesis of this group was. Uh, We started working together uh, 10 years ago. Now, this is Tyler. We started working together 10 years years ago or so. The name Radio Silence came about. uh, It's sort of a... um, I mean, I guess it's based on the way that we that we all started working together. We had this very do-it-yourself mentality, and uh, as we were starting to get some followers for the stuff we were making, online. yeah, online, we were getting a handful of meetings around town, and we were oftentimes having conversations with people, and that would end with, uh, "Hey, we should work together on something. Let's let's find a project to do." And we, of course, were saying yes to everything. We wanted nothing more than to continue to make projects, so we would say yes and then follow up and uh, never hear back. <laughs> a whole lot of silence. <laughs> and um, I think what it, it was just a reminder that for us to continue to make stuff, it was, it was going to be about not asking for permission and to just go and do and tell the stories that we wanted to tell. It's been a reminder of how we started, but I think also uh, how we love to work, which is to just find something that we love and, and then pursue it until it's, until it's done. So did you guys start with those online pranks and things like that? Was that where the the group kind of had its beginnings? Yeah, yeah, no, we did. We started as Chad, Matt, and Rob. Um, Our first Chad, Matt, and Rob video came out in July of 2007. That's Chad, by the way. Yeah, this is Chad. (laughs) Um, And, uh, yeah, and we did the prank videos. We did a bunch of, like, random shorts that were kind of just all over the place. Uh, We did interactive adventures which were choose-your-own-adventure stories that kind of, like, were similar in theme and and tone to what we did with Ready or Not. They kind of blended different elements of action and comedy and genre and horror uh, into into their shorts. But, you you know, they were choose-your-own-adventure style. So you get at the end of each video, you got to choose another path to go down, and hopefully you can make it there without dying. (laughs) (laughs) And did you guys have formal film school education or did you just kind of jump into this? Uh, Chad did not go to film school. I went to film school in Santa Cruz, which was more about, it was very, very art film based at the time when I was there in the nineties. And Tyler went to slightly more traditional film school, but, but all in all, we, we kind of have always treated our work as its own film school. When we started making stuff together, as Chad was just saying, you know, we had no money. It was just, time and ambition so we get together and decide what we want to make and then go out and make it and that that usually involved us doing everything from getting the costumes to getting the food to getting the camera to lighting it gapping it every everything was on us at that point and it, it was a good way for us to really learn all facets of movie making you know we'd be editing it we'd be doing the sound design and what's great about the evolution from that is that now we can hire really talented people to do a lot of that for us who are much better than us, but it gave us a good, a good like bird's eye view on the whole process. Well, you guys are a lot younger than me. And so when I started and went to film school, you know, we had to shoot on film, which meant you had to get work prints and like, there were a lot of these expenses and, 
you know, you couldn't see what you were shooting at all. So do you feel that kind of the advances in technology have made it easier for people like you to kind of jump in and just start experimenting with the kind of stories and things you want to do a little more readily than, say, 20 years ago? Uh, yeah, uh, this is Tyler. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the The way that we started working, it was all about just using whatever we had access to. And thankfully, technology has, has made it possible for just about anybody who has a phone in their pocket to pick up a camera and, and shoot something. And for us, working within the limitations that we had uh, and that we still have is a really valuable way to sort of hone um, to hone your value system creatively, uh, you know, when you don't have a lot of time or a lot of a lot of money, you find yourself having to really make specific choices to tell the story you, the way you want to tell it. And for us, that's that's always come back to finding interesting characters and getting really specific about what those what the struggles between those characters are. And um, and yeah, you don't need a whole lot now to go out and, and tell one of those stories. And we're so we think it's such an amazing time to be both in the business, but also to just be a, a viewer and a watcher of content because there are, there's such an incredible variety of, of stories out there now. And there are so many that are so good that maybe, you know, 15, 10, 15 years ago uh, wouldn't, wouldn't have been told. So it's a, it's a really exciting time for, for storytellers. And how did Ready or Not come to you? Was this a project that you initiated or did it come to you uh, as a script? Uh, it, yeah, it came to us as a script actually twice. One time, we, it, the first time it came to us, we, we didn't get attached to it. They were already down the path with somebody else. The second time it came to us, we're like, this, we can't let this pass up uh, again. Uh, let's go after it hard. And we, we went in and met with uh, Trip Vinson, Jamie Vanderbilt, Tara Farney, uh, producers on the movie. And we, we did this visual presentation for it and lookbook. And we showed them what we wanted to do. And we created this board game that had, like, all these different weapons on it and, it, we just knew it tonally it was exactly what we were looking for in terms of the way it blended both elements of a genre and also comedy was like something that we wanted to get back to doing. You know, we were coming off of found footage and we were coming off of Southbound, which was a little bit more dark, I would say. And we just wanted to get back to having fun making things. Luckily, Tripp and Jamie bought it. And uh, <laughs> we, tricked, we tricked them, and they let us, and they let us make it. And then we tricked Searchlight. Yeah, and, oh, and the, shit. yeah, the group <laughs> went out, and we tricked Searchlight, and uh, and they bought the script, and they 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 put their weight behind the movie, and we got it made. Uh, and so the other two of you talk a little bit about what attracted you to the project. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. The everything Chad just said about tone is huge, and then also. You know, the fun, the chance to play with this kind of commentary on the 1% and the length that they'll go, to which they'll go to maintain their wealth, and is there an implicit deal with the devil when you have obscene amounts of money? You know, those are all really fun thematics to play with in, in this heightened genre world. And I think there was something so exciting to us about the idea that we can get something like that on, like, the political end of the spectrum, and then something as personal as what would you do for your family? Like, to what lengths would you go to preserve your family, which is something that Becky, played by Andy McDowell, that her character really embodies. And getting to play that personal and political all as the subtext to this heightened genre story was something that I think just really excited all of us. Yeah, and then uh, this is Tyler. I I think the other thing that we really were immediately drawn to was uh, this script – 
uh, was such a page turner, but within it, there were all of these wildly unique obstacles and set pieces characters and and yeah and the characters that were running those gauntlets were so interesting to us there was a real opportunity for us as filmmakers to try to try something new to to design sequences that we'd never seen before and to do them with characters that um that we genuinely loved and whose perspectives were were interesting and bizarre and and uh, I think ultimately what well, you know what was in the script is just it, it's this it's this wild ride that captivated us and had our attention from page one and it was such a cool opportunity to get to bring it all to life. Now this feels like a script that is very tightly laid out on a certain level, but did you guys have an opportunity to put some of your ideas in or to kind of play around with a little bit of it, or was it kind of a, a set in stone oh no oh no yeah we were able to put a, a pretty much a big stamp on it um we we changed the premise not premise i guess the event <laughs> we changed the whole thing <laughs> we changed the event from like being a weekend with the family meeting the in-laws for the first time to a wedding and having grace be in her wedding dress the entire time uh, we changed the end of the movie, so we did go through an extensive development process with both. And that's working with the writers, exactly. and producers, and directors. Right. right. Everybody was on the same page. Everybody wanted to find the best way to get this made and find the right path to get to production, Searchlight included. So there was, a, like, creative sessions, and we were fortunate enough to have Guy and Ryan work with us the entire time up until pre-production. And, you know, they were even on set a couple of days. Uh, just making sure we got it right and we had the, entire, the team in place from that we started with. Yeah, and it's, you know, we should say too that oftentimes, I mean, I, from the time this script was written until it was made, it's probably what eight, eight years, seven, seven years from the first draft. Yeah, and there's um, obviously a lot of development that happens on a story over that period of time, and oftentimes when a project is around for that long, people get afraid of making it or they think something's wrong, and that's why it's not getting made. So when it gets developed, instead of it becoming more specific and more singular it gets a little more broad and more homogenized. And that was the opposite of what happened with our experience. We found working with the producers and then working with the studio that the movie only ever became a more distilled and more fun and more shootable version of what we loved about it in the first place. It, um, you know, we're so, we're so grateful that everybody believed in how weird it, it was and that they're, they're sort of uh, everybody's, everybody's priority first and foremost was to protect what was unique about it instead of trying to to shave those edges off it was about pushing them and making it as bizarre and as unique uh, as we possibly could whenever the ludomasses are presented with a new addition to the family we place a blank playing card into the box our initiate then has the privilege of drawing the card and Mr. LaBelle will tell us which game to play. I got chess. I got old maid. Seriously, what the fuck is old maid? Fitch. <laughs> <laughs> so I just take out the card? My dear, it is your turn. What does it say, girl? Oh, it says, it says 
hide and seek? Are we really gonna play that? Everything okay? That was a clip from the film Ready or Not, which opens in theaters on August 21st. I'll be back with more of my interview with Radio Silence after this short and final break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. So it's pretty common for people to do storyboards before their films, but you talked about you had actually kind of developed a game. What did you kind of learn from creating the game that helped you when you actually got to shooting? The game that we created uh, was entirely for tone. It was basically a tone board. It was kind of, it was a part of our pitch to Searchlight to be really clear on what the kind of movie we wanted to make was. And, and that's something that once we were shooting... We'd are, we had worked really hard to solidify the tone by that time, that everybody who got on board from cast to department heads, everybody knew what we were aiming at, and that as long as we had the same target, we could get there and make something that could somehow walk the tightrope of being scary and funny and genuinely emotional simultaneously or very close to simultaneously all within one movie. And it, and it really... A lot of it did actually stem from making that initial board. It's when a lot of stuff kind of clicked for us in terms of what what this movie should feel like when it's completed. And then it gave us a target to aim at throughout the process. And this is Chad, by, by the way. We did storyboard some scenes, too, to, to help sell them on it. And I think one of the storyboards we did first that is probably the most close to what it was in the film was that the opening teaser with the boys running through the, the hall and, and turning on the guy with the spear in his chest. So we did find value in storyboards. And if we had more resources, we probably would have storyboarded a lot more. You take what you could get. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to imply that you guys wouldn't storyboard. I just felt yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't much. Yeah. Don't the take it as an Not everybody not everybody can claim they designed a board game to kind of pitch that. <laughs> <laughs> That was unique. And I want to talk a little bit about the the notion of horror comedy, because your YouTube videos have this mix of kind of being scary, being funny, being pranks. On the surface, it seems like comedy and horror don't have anything in common. But on closer inspection, like the whole sense of like attention and a payoff and timing all seem to be like very important to both of those. Yeah, you could have just described yeah. a joke or a scare. Yeah, I, you're you're 100% right. And um there's also something about the experience of being scared or of laughing that's better when you're around other people, when there's this kind of communal or community vibe. That's something I think that everyone is kind of hungry for. Things are funnier when you're with other people and things are certainly scarier and more fun when you're sharing them with an audience of of other people as well. But um in terms of in terms of walking that tightrope, I mean for us, it's all about and, and has been since we first started working together about really trying to ground that tone through our characters to uh, tell stories about characters who, regardless of the situation they're in, they're always acting and reacting very honestly. And, and not equipped to deal with whatever that said situation is. Yeah, we're not a fan of telling stories about experts. That's, uh, I think, one of, the, one of the very common themes in all of our work is there, there is one or multiple fish out of water. It's, a, it's about a normal people walking into a situation that they're, that they're just wildly unequipped to deal with. 
And out of that situation is where uh, tension and thrills and comedy are, are really born. But, um, you know, so much of that is, is also just about cast and how those characters are played. And, and very thankfully, you know, everyone that we cast was super on board and understood very specifically what that tightrope is because that, that tone gets lost very easily if someone's sort of wandering outside of the guardrails. And it was, uh, I, I mean, we're, we're just consistently amazed at how successfully the cast read, read that, their roles and, and then embodied them uh, and grounded them emotionally throughout the project. It, it's something that we're just, we're so, we're so proud of. And also to speak to the horror and comedy of it, uh, if you, I think one of the reasons we're so drawn to it is, is that in real life they are actually very close. It's like you know people laugh at funerals, like that kind of thing. You know people are sad at weddings. Like these, they're not as separate as we like to pretend that they are when we talk about genres. And when you look at some of like the classics of genre cinema, and you look at like Aliens or Jaws or The Shining, these movies all have truly comedic moments in them. And it's something that, so it's been present for a long time. And I think it's really exciting to see it. it, it it's taking its own kind of shape now, especially with like Chris Rock getting involved in the Saw series, Jordan Peele, obviously with Get Out. It's like, there's like a whole new wave of this kind of horror that, that is allowed to have a sense of humor. And I think it's exciting as, as, as a filmmaker and as an audience. Well, what I like about all those films that you mentioned in your own is it has a sense of humor, but it's not the kind of, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, ha-ha kind totally. of humor. <laughs> it's more built into the, the story. Exactly. And for us, that's always the guiding guiding principle is that the humor has to come from the characters. And and then it's, it's, it's a funny, it's more about like humorous moments as opposed to jokes. Like there were a few jokes that were actually in the script that were funny on the page and they were really well written. But when, you know, we, we got into the kind of nuts and bolts of making it, we just realized they didn't work. They just kind of, they stepped outside the lines of what, what this movie had become. So you'll notice that there's, while hopefully it's very funny, it's not, they don't feel like jokes. Yeah. And I, this is also one of the benefits of having such a, such a fun ensemble of characters that represent a, a wide dynamic range of personality types and, and sort of belief systems when it comes to the ritual uh, you've got Aunt Helene on one end, and you've got, you know, uh, Alex and Daniel on the other. And so you get to you get to have all of the fun uh, of the sort of more arch approach that Aunt Helene takes. But but then you come to understand why she is who she is. And, and the same goes for Daniel. You take this guy who's, you know, who's um, who's sort of the the jokester at first, but there's a sad desperation in that that's very that's very real and very emotional and coming from a very real place. So that range, while it's um, while it's certainly fairly wide, uh, it's everyone has a very specific point of view, and um, and it's justified in a way. One of the things uh, about it too, you you mentioned uh, the characters, and one of the things that I really liked is that you could, on a certain level, take away the horror aspects, and it's just about this kind of dysfunctional family get together because these characters really do have kind of some nicely drawn uh, traits and, and personalities. Yeah, that this is Matt. That's that's one of the things that we love from you know our first read of the script. And, and it gets to why we're able to ground the horrors and the scares like we've been talking about. For us, one of the best 
kind of quote jokes that still lives in the movie is when the fish character played by Christian is uh, texting with his buddy and he, you know, he's like, what are you up to? And he's like, family shit. And you're like, right. Because at the end of the day, this is just a family drama, a quote, wacky, messed up family. And, and this, you know, poor woman who's forced to deal with them. And it is, it's one of our, one of our kind of, uh, another guiding principle for us is always like, if you take away the genre, is the movie still interesting on a character level? You know, and what you're talking about is exactly that. Mm-hmm. So how do you guys work on the set together? Because there's three of you. Do you kind of divvy up duties? Do you overlap? Uh, are you all three on the set all the time? How does that work? Chad takes Mondays. I take Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of vacation. It's really just about vacation. No, it's, um, you know, for us, Tyler's this is Tyler. For us, it's all about about really getting specific uh, about what our vision for the material is as early on as possible and, and all getting on the same page and, and really honestly trying to create as much creative friction as possible as early as possible so that you can arrive at the best idea before you even show up on set. Because inevitably you're going to find yourself having to problem solve something. But if, if we're all pointing towards the same true north, it becomes a lot easier to know what the right idea or the right solve is in those moments. But when we're actively on set, we, we kind of describe the way we work as, as a band. We all play different instruments well. We all know how everyone else plays their instruments, but it only works if we're all playing them together. So, yeah, it's all hands on deck every day when we're on a set. And certainly we all have different specialties, which makes the process not only efficient, but also not confusing for the people that we have to have to communicate with. But it hasn't let us down yet. I think that we move we move really fast, and there is really a unity of vision that comes from having worked together for for ten years, and and I think sharing a lot of the same taste, but also really wanting to create a process that's inclusive and collaborative and fun, and that everybody feels like they can put their their creative mark on. I play a mean kazoo. Chad, <laughs> Chad plays a mean kazoo. <laughs> yes, do not mistake Chad for anyone else. <laughs> well, it also seems like with three of you, you know, it seems like sometimes when you're on a, a studio set with, you know, pressure to bring in a film on budget or on time or to deliver certain things. It seems like if you're just one person trying to hold on to that vision, it might be harder than if you're kind of a team where you can go, no, 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 you are right. Don't, don't give in. It is. It's, I mean, we, we, this is Matt, we love the sort of insulation that comes with being a team where for better or for worse, you know, we can, we can complain together, we can work together, we can, like, problem-solve together. One of the great things about Ready or Not was that we shot a lot of it at this place, at Parkwood Estates, about an hour outside of Toronto in Oshawa, and we had an hour drive both ways every morning and every night, and it, it was a really great time for us to just, like, sit, sit together. Because when you're, when you're, you know, shooting, everything is so chaotic, and we had this kind of forced hour to sit together and just talk through, okay, exactly, how exactly are we going to do this? We've already talked about it, but, like, let's just go over it again. Let's, like, really settle in, double, triple, quadruple check anything we thought we might have problems with. And then at the end of the day, it was really good to kind of have a, like, you know, how did the day go moment and really talk about it and be like, we can do this better tomorrow. We need to work on this. This worked great. Let's replicate that. And it, it's, 
it's those little things that help us do the big thing better. And what was it like shooting? It, I mean, it's a single location in the sense of it's this one giant house. You get a lot of different kind of places to play around there. But what is it like being, you know, doing a script where you do have this certain kind of confinement to it? I mean, this is Tyler. I mean, it was a challenge, but it was also a fun challenge. I think that um, one of the things that we were looking for very specifically when we were scouting were these locations that had, um, that had a very clear sense of geography. And, uh, and that over the course of this movie, because it's confined to a singular location for so much of it, that you're feeling the evolution of the space, um, even though... You know, even though it's it's a series of corridors and hallways that essentially exist on the same grounds, there is a real sense of of a progression and a and of a de-evolution as things continue on. And so much of that, honestly, was also just working with an incredible DP who had a really great sense of how the lighting design was going to evolve over the course of the movie and how things were going to start really steady and really controlled and become more handheld as we as we get deeper and deeper into into Grace's nightmare. So, so there, there are a lot of, you know, visual tricks as well, but, you know, for us, the, the house is as big of a character as any of the characters, and it was, it was really incredible that we found what we found uh, to shoot in practically. Um, it's actually a combination of three locations, uh, Casa Loma in downtown Toronto, the Parkwood Estate in Oshawa, and then the YWCA uh, also in Oshawa, and we had an amazing production designer who, who added... A ton of a ton of interesting elements that are carried from space to space that make it all feel like it's uh, like it's a singular location. Talk a little bit about the way you wanted it to look because it had this great visual look of kind of feeling a bit vintage and and with the early the title sequence, you know, you have all these games and these older games and stuff. And, and just how did you want it to look? This is Matt. Uh, we wanted it to, to have a lived-in vibe throughout, you know, be really warm and be able to, like, live in this house, live by candlelight. And we, we kind of tend to always steer away from technology in, in our work. It's not something that we love. So there's this very old-school vibe that we wanted to get throughout, you know. And then the fun of it for this movie was then you have Grace, who represents the opposite of all of that coming in and, you know, tearing it all down. And that, that, that to us was just a really fun juxtaposition to have everything be grand and old, and the camera is very controlled in the beginning when the family's in charge. And then, you know, as, as Grace kind of takes, takes the, the reins, the, the camera gets a lot more frantic. It gets a lot more chaotic visually. And, and it was just something that, that helped us tell the story in a way that hopefully keeps it through Grace's perspective as much as possible and keeps it kind of exciting and punk rock, you know? All right. Well, I want to thank you all very much for taking some time to talk to me. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a treat. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. That was Chad Villella, Matt Bettinelli-Olpin, and Tyler Gillette, also known as Radio Silence. Their new film, Ready or Not, opens on August 21st. Cinema Junkie comes out every other Friday. And if you enjoy the show, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. Or just tell a friend to take a listen. Thanks to everyone who's already left a review or converted friends into subscribers. Till our next film fix, I'm Beth Accomando, your resident cinema junkie. KPBS On Demand is supported by 
the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.